I'd like to read in the book of Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter 9. Nice to see everybody who's here tonight. Thank you very welcome again. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 27. This is what it says, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Let's just read those two verses again. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Maybe you have wondered, some people have asked me at the door that they say we get a little excited up here. And Johnny mentioned in the beginning here that we, are, we don't have much time. And you don't have much time. And we get excited because the gospel is great news. There's nothing better to get excited about. I've never understood how somebody could tell me that they can talk about muscle cars or they can talk about football and they can start getting all excited, but then you get them up on a pulpit and they're as dry as a stick. There is nothing to get more excited about than the gospel. But one of the reasons we, we do get sometimes urgent is because we're dealing with the most important matters in life. And that is what we have read here tonight. I, we were talking to a man today. He's a pastor. I don't see him here. He, is a, he said he would come one night. But he's a pastor at a, at a church in the area. And he told us that today, young people today and, and, and the youth, they like the small group setting where we all sit around and have, have a talk, have a chat. And they don't like what he called pulpit ministry where somebody stands up and he says, they think we preach at them. And he says, actually, we preach to them. But they see it as we're preaching at them. And I wonder if there's somebody here. And in the last 30 minutes, you thought, Mr. Seed here was preaching at you. I'm here to tell you, we are not preaching at you. We are preaching to you. But more than that, we are preaching for you. This is your soul at stake. The story is told by a man named John Bunyan of a, of, of a pilgrim who is journeying away from a city of destruction. And do you know who the best friend on that journey was for that pilgrim? A man named Evangelist. A man who was preaching for him. Run! Run! Get out of the city of destruction. Make haste to the celestial city. That is what we are doing. We are preaching to you and for you. And what I have before me are these words. It is appointed unto man. Mankind, all of us, wants to die. After this, the judgment. But so Christ, he was once offered to bear the sins of many. I want, to, I want you to notice these two verses in these ways. I want you to notice, number one, our appointment with death. Our appointment with death. Number two, his appointment with death. That is what you've already been hearing, and I'm just going to touch it as well. The Savior's appointment with death. And number three, 
our appointment with him. Our appointment with death. His appointment with death. And our appointment with him. In case I forget to mention it, every person here, from the youngest person to the oldest person, despite all our differences, despite the difference in our races, our ages, genders, every person here is going to meet Christ. You are going to meet the man that you have heard about tonight. You are going to meet the man who was stricken on the cross, every one of us. The question is, and the question that will be settled in your response to the gospel is how you will meet him. But you will meet him. You will meet Christ. And, what, and, and so that is what we'd like to look at. There is a group of people at the end of the verse, and they will meet him gladly. The Bible says they're waiting to meet him. They're longing to meet him. They're looking forward to meeting him. And I just want to tell you how you can be part of that group, people who are longing to meet Christ. Our appointment with death, the first thing I want you to notice is that it's fixed. It is appointed unto men. This is something that is. Not, that, not, not something that should be. It doesn't say it should be appointed for men to die. It is. This is a fixed appointment. Now, they tell us today, modern psychology tells us, that we should live our lives by appointments. And even the things that I guess an older generation just did, in our generation, in order to be the most um, effective, we need to schedule everything. Schedule breakfast, and then schedule snacks, and then schedule breaks, and everything needs to be scheduled. And so you have planners, and you have whiteboards, and you write it all out. This is what I do for, for some of my patients at work, scheduling everything. No, no space and time. If you were to come to the hospital where I work, every hour is blocked off. There is something that is scheduled, even if it's free time. That's scheduled. Scheduled free time. Everything is scheduled. Everything is appointed. And they say that this is the way it works. You know, God is a God of appointments. He is a God who has worked on a timeline. He is a God who made this world in six days. And while there's a lot of debate as to what that means, six days, was it many, 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 many days? Or was it just six days? One of the fascinating things is, no matter how you look at it, it took him six days. Why didn't he just say, and it was, one day? He's God, he could have. God could have said, and it all came to be. But he actually took six days. Steps, order. God is a God of appointments. And what we are learning from this verse is that God has made an appointment. And it's an appointment concerning you and concerning me. He has appointed the day when we will die. It's not something we like to think about. A lot of us like to think of our birthdays, the day when we were born. We like to think of our wedding days if we're married. We like to think of other special days in the life. Christmas Day, Valentine's Day. But no one likes to think about their death day. But that's the day that God wants you to think about tonight. The day when you will die. You know, um, it's a very solemn thing when you start thinking about our death day. I, uh, 
I remember listening to this illustration when I was, a, when I was just a little boy. And the preacher told the story of a young man who was going to university. And he was about to graduate, and he was going to become a, I'm not sure what, what degree he had. And the preacher said that they began asking him a series of questions. He said, so, you're going to graduate from university. Then what? Oh, I'm going to get a pretty good job, and I'm going to make almost six figures, and probably by the time I, I get enough, um, get high enough in the company, I'll be crossing six figures, and I'll be doing pretty well. He said, then what? He said, oh, well, after I get up in the company, I hope to buy a house, um, a, a nice house. Not, not super nice. I have no intention of being the most wealthy person in the city, but, but nice enough, comfortable. Then what? Oh, he said, well, I got my job, got my house. I'll try to find a pretty young lady and get married. Then what? Well, after we get married, I hope that we'll have a family. Oh, that's nice. Then what? Well, after we have a family, we'll put them through school, and hopefully they'll get a good education, and, and everything will be well, and hopefully we'll be having enough money so we can live fairly comfortably. And then what? Oh, well. Then we'll hopefully go on vacations and, and, ha and have a good time and a nice childhood. And hopefully my kids will grow up and they'll get a good job. And then what? Oh, well, then, then hopefully my kids will get married. And then what? Well, hopefully then I'll become a grandpa. Oh, got it all planned. Good. And then what? Well, hopefully just before I become a grandpa, kind of in that weird phase of life. Sorry. Uh... Then I'll retire. Oh. And then what? Well, once I retire, I'll have a little bit more time, so they tell me, and I'll be able to do a few more things, go on a few vacations, maybe just us and the grandkids, get rid of the kids. Oh. He's got it all planned out, doesn't he? And then what? Well, then I might get sick and need some people to take care of me, get a little older. And then what? He says, what are you getting at? Didn't want to say. He said, well, then I'll die. Is that what you want to hear? Then I'll die. The preacher said, and then what? And then what? You see, that's what this verse has told us. It is appointed unto men once to die After this, the judgment. Here is a verse that you can turn to and realize. Death is not the end. We do not just begin life, head for this big bang in, in, in time. We're out of existence and that's it. We will all, it is appointed for all of us as human beings. That's what it means, generally speaking, for mankind. It is appointed to us to die. But after this, there is an after this. And just for, for your information, it is a never-ending after this. We, it will never end. We will either be with Christ in heaven or without him in hell forever. And it will never end. There are people who are in heaven today. There are people who are with Christ. They are absent from the body. They are present with the Lord. And there are people who are in hell today. 
They have entered the after this. We are preaching here in Livonia, and there are people in this meeting. And before this week is over, you could begin the after this of your existence. This little phase of life, the Bible describes it as a vapor. It appears for a little while, and then it's gone. The Bible describes it in Psalm 90 as grass that grows up, and it's cut down. Johnny and I met many people today who are just out there cutting their grass. And they tell us last week or two weeks ago it was growing and now they have to cut it down. That is how God describes our life. Grass that goes, grows up in the morning and in the evening it is cut down. God describes our life as a tale, a story that is being told. And your story, the story of your life, even if you're young or if you're older, your story could come to a conclusion tonight. And then what? People in Stark Road Gospel Hall, then what? Then what? Is it heaven? Is it with Christ? Or is it without him forever? Then what? It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. God is a God who must judge sin. You and I have been born in sin. And we have committed so many sins in our lives. Sins in our minds. Sins of thoughts. And in our hands by the things we've done, our feet and the places we've gone, our eyes, the things we have looked at. You know, there are people and they've looked at things. Maybe there's people in this room. And during this day or during this week, you've looked at things that you never should have looked at. I meet people and they look at things that they never should have looked at. But you know what they do afterward? They go to their Internet history and they click delete history. And in just a moment of time, all that history is deleted from their computer. It's not deleted from God's computer. It's not deleted from his mind. He hasn't forgotten about it. It's still as clear to him as if it it would just happen. And God must judge sin. And so when a person comes to that point when they will die, after that moment of death, there is judgment for sin. That is why sin must be forgiven. You do not want to be judged for your sin. You do not want to be punished for your sin. There's a rich man in hell today. He's there today. And he is being punished for his sin. You do not want to be with that man. And neither do we. We don't want you to be with that man. And so we preach for you. Not to be there. God must punish sin. It's not an option for him. He's holy. He's pure. He must punish sin. After this, the judgment. And so we have an appointment with death. I don't know when yours will be. I don't know when mine will be. You know, I've said sometimes in these meetings, this might be the last gospel meeting, that gospel series that you sit in. You know, it very well could be the last gospel series I speak in. it. But I won't be coming into judgment. I'll tell you that. I'm saved. The stroke has already fallen on him. How about you? His appointment with death. The Bible says this. 
Well, how is that good news? You've been telling us for two and a half, two, two weeks and a day, you've been telling us the gospel means good news. How is that good news that we have an appointment with death? Sorry, preacher, that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> no, 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 but, but see, this is what God wants you to know. He wants you to know that you have an appointment with death. And for your sin, the things that you have done, there is judgment. He wants you to say, he wants you to agree with him. He wants, you to, he wants you to embrace that truth. He wants you to depend on that truth so that he can tell you something else. So, you, so once you say, okay, I have an appointment with death. After this, the judgment. Now, what, what does the writer say? So, listen to the good news. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. You see, Christ had an appointment with death. As Johnny has been telling us tonight, over a thousand years or around a thousand years before he was ever born, it was predicted clearly in the Bible that there would come a day where he would, he would be born. Yes, the city where he would be born was predicted. The village he would be born in was predicted. It would be predicted the words he would say, the things he would do. He would open the eyes of the blind. Yep, that was predicted. Every, he, he, would, he would proclaim liberty to the captives. That was predicted. And there was a day predicted in his life. In fact, Theologians tell me that in the book of Daniel, you can get right down to the actual week. And on that week, that would be the week when he was cut off. And he came. And he went outside the city of Jerusalem on that week. And they crucified him to the cross. And on that cross, what was he doing there? We have heard tonight that the stroke of God was falling on him. We have heard in past nights that he was being wounded, that he was being pierced for our sins. And our verse says this, he was being once offered to bear the sins of many. What he was doing on the cross was this. The sins that you deserve to be punished for after this, the judgment, he was taking your appointment. And he was taking my appointment. He was coming in and he was saying, yes, I know Joey, he has an appointment with death and after this, the judgment. And it was like he looked up into heaven and he said, hold me accountable for his appointment. And God did. God made the stroke fall upon Christ. God punished him for our sins. And so when I come to my appointment with death, do you know what the verse says? I don't have to fear the after this. I don't have to fear being judged for my sins. There's no judgment for me. Not the judgment for sin anyway. That judgment that I deserve has already taken place. You see, I want you to get that now. I'm not going to yell about this. Just listen to me. I want you to get this. It is not that a Christian has the judgment somehow avoided. So there's judgment for their sin, but somehow they've done a little dance, they've said a little line, and now it's gone. No, when a person trusts Christ, the judgment of their sin has already taken place. It's already fallen on Christ. So they're saved. He is the ark. And he's bearing the weight of the storm, but we're in the ark. And we'll never face it. Saved. But you see, if you're not in that ark, if you're not in the boat, God caused to meet, God judged him for sin as a, as a substitute. He took my appointment. This is an appointment that 
I could never fully exhaust. All of eternity I would have to suffer for my sin. But Christ, he was an eternal person. And when he hung on the cross, he suffered. He suffered enough. The Bible says that God raised him from the dead. And God welcomed him back into heaven without sin. He suffered enough. He's not coming back to suffer. In fact, the verse tells us that. When he comes back, it's not going to be in regards to sin. He's not coming back in regards to sin. He's not coming back to do anything with, to suffer anymore for sin. He's coming back to receive those who have received him. He's coming to receive those who have received him. Have you received Christ personally? Is he your personal savior? Have you received him? That's who he is coming for. Our appointment with death is fixed. We can't change it. It's going to happen. His appointment with death was also fixed. And he endured it joyfully. In fact, before he went to the cross, the Bible tells us that as he took the bread and the wine, symbols of what he was about to do, his death, the Bible tells us that he gave thanks. He gave thanks for this was the way to bring many people to God. And so his appointment. Lastly, though, it's our appointment with him. Each of us, again, I will say this just in closing, each of us is going to meet Christ. If you're a Christian today, is there ever, in the busyness of the day, the rat race of the day, with all the kids and all the school and all the work, was there ever anything in your heart today that said, today, I might meet him. Today I could meet him. That's what he says here. He says that people who are Christians, these are the people Christ is coming for, people who are longing to meet him. Even so come, Lord Jesus, was the last Christian words in the Bible. Even so come, longing to meet him. Are you longing to meet him? You say, I'm not saved. I'm scared of meeting him. My parents would go. My, some of my family members would go. I'm not longing to meet him. I hope he doesn't come for another 50 years, 100 years. You know, you could leave this one gospel meeting longing to meet him because you could find that he has taken your place. He has, he has suffered for your sins. And so now, because he has died for you, you love him. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to satisfy God for our sins So now we love him, longing to see him, longing to see Christ. You know, eternity is a real thing, and it's hard to awaken people. I was just thinking about this today, just walking around. It was a beautiful day today, beautiful day in October. Sky was blue, just the right breeze at the right time, and I was thinking, Lord, how are people in such a comfortable life ever going to be awakened to the reality of another world. Everything is just so nice. And this verse came into my mind. Just as it was in the days of Noah. People were eating and drinking and getting married. There was a big warning about a flood that's coming, but people just went on as if it was a normal day. But then the flood came. I'm not here to be a doomsday preacher. But you could meet Christ. You could meet you. You could enter eternity. You could be done with this life. 
tonight? And where would you be? I remember a funeral of an older lady. She had passed away. As far as people were concerned, she wasn't saved, but she wasn't part of any kind of a Christian community. She had big family, big family members there. And you know, in the United States anyway, funerals are a they're, they're so far removed from what death actually is. The body is nicely treated. The best jewelry and clothing is put on the body. It doesn't even look like they're dead. The whole point is to make them look just like they're peacefully resting. It's far different than in other countries. Well, they went to the funeral and the big family was there. They were having a, a big party. They were just having a good time, talking about her life. Grandma, mom, oh, she's, she's doing well. They had a great time. Well, then there came that point where you walk by the casket. And they were just having a joyful time. All these guests, all these guests, just like you. Just like you here, they were all having just a great time, eating the food. And then this lady who passed away, her daughter and her granddaughter were going up to the casket hand in hand. And the little girl was no older than than this girl here at the front. Just Just a little girl, just walking up to the casket. And she looked into that casket and that just indifferent crowd. And she said this. Mommy, that's not my nanny. And it was very embarrassing. Everybody was having a good time, and the mother said, Oh, shh, shh, shh. No, mommy, mommy, that's not my nanny. And now, now, dad's coming up. Mommy, that's not my nanny. And then she said this with tears coming down her face My nanny's gone. Where is she? Difference of the crowd, eternity fell on that funeral home. There was no more laughing. There was no more joking. There was no more sleeping. Eternity. Where is she? Where would you be? You were in the casket tomorrow night. Where would you be? You know, this is a very unsafe world, people. These are not these safe, beautiful United States anymore. There are awful things happening in schools. There are awful things happening just on the streets in normal cities. Where would you be if it was you? I agree with what my brother has said already. We do not have time to play games. It is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment, but, but, listen, Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin for our salvation. If he comes tonight, I will be rejoicing to see him, and I would love that from Livonia every chair is empty, and we all return to see Christ. May it be so. Believe God's word. You will be saved. Let's close in prayer.